episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. Referees, in a unfortunate Chiefs loss. But, you know, it was actually a really good game. I enjoyed watching the game. Just like I said last week, Reese, it's always a joy to watch Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen play even if we lose it's just such a great time and I hope people don't forget how um, how these two are like NFL giants and will be so for the next decade so it was just great to watch how you doing Reese we'll 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 get into the game soon but how's it going it's not going too bad uh weather's nice in Kansas City this time of year it's probably the most October-ish October I've had since coming down here it's not like 90 degrees anymore which is fantastic i know i know i'm talking about the weather a lot but like the fact that like bowie's still so young and he's still so fidgety if he gets too hot we've just been like taking him out to the park every morning playing fetch we put on his like 50 foot lead and just like yeet the tennis ball for like 20 30 minutes and yeah so uh other, other than that you know can't complain it's uh it's definitely dark lager season moving into stout season before we know it so that's also exciting in the craft beer world but Otherwise, can't complain. How are you doing out in Colorado Springs, man? Things are good. Just it's um, it's the countdown for the baby. Could baby can come at any point now. So we're just wow. we're just waiting, man. So it's great that I'm still here, still doing the pod. Because <laughs> we'll see how That's I am sick. next week. I may just not be here, but we will see. So stay stay tuned for all the Hot Take Mondo Junior updates, dude. Hot Take Mondo Junior. You know, speaking of Hot Take Mondo, and speaking of the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Uh, I would like to propose a new segment or at least a new nickname for a member of this group. Rut row. Here we go. So obviously Buffalo Mike exists. He's one of, you know, the most uh, the most storied characters in Notorious. the group Notorious. <laughs> and uh, if you have the cold snack take back and uh, hot take Mondo, I was wondering, can we have like... Mike's Hard Takes, sponsored by Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> My, he only ever come, go ahead. He, he only ever comes in with like blazing takes too. Like he'll just like say one thing during a game and that's like it. But he's you know he tries to like drop a nuke and then just like walk away. We need the Mike's Hard Takes. Well, it's funny because like because like Mike likes to discredit everyone else that is arguing with him, similar to Sam, but Mike does it in a football way. Like like Mike wants to talk X's and O's with you. Um, so it, I mean, so if you are going to go into the, into the gauntlet with Buffalo Mike, be prepared to know your football. He even cited, um, Bruce Arians, like X's and O's football 101 book against, because uh, we were debating whether, um, Hunter Renfro had ran into Devonte Adams at the end of the Chiefs Raiders game. And I said oh, that yeah. it was like a schematic problem. And so he wanted, he was ready to go X and O's. So yeah, sure. Mike's hard lemonade takes <laughs> Mike's hard lemonade takes we're gonna have so many craft liquor sponsors for this podcast at some point it's gonna be ridiculous there'll be a bidding war for the rights for fountain city sports media oh speaking about sponsors i would like to do a cold a montucky cold snack take back right now reese because Which one of one of our investors was unhappy with our slander against nebraska and we oh, and we are beholden to our investors reese so i take a cold montucky cold snack take back we love nebraska yeehaw <laughs> 
Dude, if you don't love me at my bug eaters, you don't deserve me at my Tom Osborne. The N for Nebraska stands for no other state can compare. Not only do they have Schlotzkys and a world-class zoo, they also have one of the only Viridians outside of the state of Iowa, so I can do all my credit unioning there. That's right, I am still a Panther card-carrying Viridian credit union member. Uh, they are also, they get credit for Zipline Brewing, which I don't know if you've read Zipline stuff. Uh, I don't think based- so. They're based out of Lincoln, and I think they have an auxiliary tap room somewhere in Omaha. Don't quote me on that. But Zipline is one of the realest players in the game not getting the notoriety they deserve. I know we've talked about like the saturation of hazy IPAs, but I can't remember what it's called. It's called like Fairy Dust or something like that. It's like their flagship hazy. I'm like, that's a dude, that's a really good flagship hazy. That's like what I would kind of hope Space Camp revolves huh. into one day. It's very drinkable. Never, never had it. Um, In in, in honor of Nebraska, I'm going to read off some fun facts about Nebraska from bestthingsne.com. Number one, Nebraska is the birthplace of Kool-Aid. Wait, wait, hold on. I should go. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Let's see. There's nothing nothing really good here. Okay. Um, Nebraska holds the largest mammoth fossil in, in the world. Wait, the biggest mammoth fossil? The biggest mammoth fossil in the entire world is held at the University of Nebraska State Museum. That's pretty cool. Did they find it in Nebraska or are they just like hanging on to it? Uh, the fossils were discovered in Lincoln County in 1922 and have it identified as the remains of the Columbian mammoth. Mammoth. All right. That's theirs. They get to claim it. Let's see. Anything else? Um <laughs> Chef Boyardee was founded in Nebraska. So see, a lot, of, a lot of great things in Nebraska. They also have the biggest weight room in America. Oh, that's kind of cool. Whoa. Where's that at? University of Nebraska? And University of Nebraska in Lincoln, yeah. Do you know the funny story about University of Nebraska and their strength and conditioning program? I'm sure there's a lot of funny stories. Oh, no, but so, go ahead. <laughs> the University of Nebraska got a leg up on everybody because back in the 70s, I think it was, They had a strength and conditioning coach who said, we should make our players bigger, faster, stronger. Because back then, people were like, no, big muscles only weigh you down and make you slower. And he's like, that's a bunch of crap. We're a triple option team, right? Maybe like a bunch of linemen that can just like, you know, flip a Prius. And that's like how they kicked everyone's butt because no one had strength and conditioning programs back then. So so other teams started catching up and be like, hey, they're on to something. I mean, they still did it better than everybody else. Uh, But then, you can look this up. I think it was in the 80s they started getting a bigger advantage with steroids uh like back in the wild west days of steroids um we we just said so many great things about nebraska reese now our our investors from nebraska are going to pull it after you do a steroid slander there's nothing wrong with the history of all of this i mean it doesn't take there's nothing wrong with the roids i mean no i ask tommy townsend yeah right oh my gosh can you believe they made him pee in a cup after that game I can. He's a goat, man. Dude, he's, Gosh, he's he's so good. Yeah, seriously, dude. We had we had Tommy Townsend all along, but uh, yeah, that's that's the story of uh, Nebraska's strength and conditioning. Uh, it's a great state, full of great teams, great people. I got family in Nebraska. Shout out to my Cutler friends and oh, family okay. living in Nebraska. So that's another pointer. That's another point for Nebraska. I will also say. One, one last thing about Nebraska is they have the best drivers in the country. And I will... That, that, that's a freebie. That's a freebie. Uh, I say that coming from Iowa, which is... I think Iowa is a pretty decent driving state. Even though what we'll yeah, say... not bad. The, the things that tick her off are like people driving too slow. It's like, oh, no, Iowans drive too safe. It's not like 
in Kansas City where you don't have driver's ed, like so you can just get in a car and drive like an idiot. Like Nebraska's like, yo, I recognize your blinker. Please merge into this lane. Uh, I understand that I don't have the right of way at this yield, so I'm going to stop. It's things like that. I'm like, wow. Talk about a futuristic, like, functioning society that knows how to drive cars. So I appreciate that about the state of Nebraska. <laughs> Dude, imagine... Wait, so you said in Iowa you don't have to take a test? Or uh, Iowa, you do. You have to take driver's ed for, like, six months and then take a test. But Missouri, you don't have to? Missouri or Kansas. You can just show up, hop in your car, and do a terrible job passing a driver's test and learn to drive. That is a crock of Dude. crap. Dude, just imagine if that was the same in Colorado. Oh, my gosh. Driving up Pikes Peak. Oh, my gosh. Well, so the number of times that Noel will be like, it's okay, you have a yield. I'm like, they don't freaking know that. Like, I guarantee you they True. don't know what a yield means. You know, it's like they're never Absolutely. told. That's, that's the thing. It's like the, the, the drivers here, you can operate a vehicle, but that doesn't mean you know what everything on the road means. That's like That's just the most obvious thing driving down here. It's not like Houston where they're like kamikaze and going like 95 oh in a my school gosh. zone. That's, oh my goodness. But Dude, RIP Houston. Yeah, I've been a couple of times to visit Kyle and do some auditions and it was not fun yep. driving down those. What car? Why did I have a car? I don't remember. Anyway, Reese, since we've talked about Nebraska so much and we might have some people from Nebraska listen to this, how can they donate to the podcast since we have so many Nebraskian investors? Man. If I can and you can, then Nebraska can donate to Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM, where for the cost of just one cup of coffee a month, you can sponsor the content this podcast brings you. And you can also get access to bonus episodes, exclusive beer reviews, and our latest 10-part deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise called Speedy and Angry. So get yourself on patreon.com backslash FCSM. And donate to your favorite two commentators. Excellent. Thank you so much, Reese. All right, now let's get into the game. The game of the year so far for us, at least. Bills at Chiefs. We lose 24 to 20. Um, I have some things to say. Do you, how, how hot are your takes, Reese? <laughs> Who wants to start? <laughs> I think my takes are surprisingly level. I think what's... I'll just say what's been weird is, you know, trolling the message boards, the blogs, Reddit, all that stuff. Like, the number of Chiefs fans right now who are just kind of like, uh, that game actually went better than I thought it would. Myself included, you know, I, I thought it was going to be 38 20. So the fact that it was only 24 20, I'm like, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, I, I said it right after the game and everybody was ready to to jump on me and say, ha ha, Armando, the Chiefs lost. Take that. Take that hot take, Mondo. Ha ha. And I'm like, no, you know what? Both Reese and I predicted the Chiefs to lose with Trent McDuffie. We didn't know Trent McDuffie was going to be out. We had assumed he was coming back. Mm -hmm. So we knew this was going to be a tough matchup, even with our best corner because this is the josh allen revenge game right yep. they're coming back they've he's been talking about it sean mcdermott's been talking about it von miller's been talking about it even though von miller wasn't there like he's been he's been wanting to beat the chiefs forever he's owned five of the chiefs uh before this game so look we knew gum coming in they were going to give us our their best um and i was okay with us losing 
but this was a great loss, Reese. God was. We, I, I mean, we we held Josh Allen to 24 points with Joshua Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson in the back. I mean, we 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 beat him without our QB spy. Uh, Willie Gay. I actually will also do a cold snack take back about Nick Bolton. I, th- I said Nick Bolton was going to be a factor in this game. Let's actually look at Josh Allen's rushing numbers. I don't even think he had to run very much. Yeah, okay, so he ran for 32 yards. So he, he was kind of a factor in the run game. His average in the year is 45, so it was below average still, um, but he didn't really need to run. Everything was working on for them. You know, like De- Devin Singletary had 85 yards rushing anyway i will do a cold snack take back we didn't see much of nick bolton we sure missed willie gay in that game but reese if you would have told me it, it was a one possession game against the best team in the nfl and we didn't have trent mcduffie and we didn't have willie gay i would have said you're crazy you're crazy we can't be well it can't be a one possession game with that and having jalen watson and joshua williams in the game and joshua williams being exposed twice and and Josh Allen finding him for two touchdowns I would have said there's no way it it was probably a blowout if I'm like in I don't know if I was in a coma or something maybe I shouldn't say that knock on wood if I was I don't know I had a gig and I couldn't see the game and someone told me that I would have been like yeah the Bills won 40 to 14 but for us to stay in this game for Patrick Mahomes for most of the game looking extremely confident even with pressure um, I forgot what the stat was. I'll have to look it up right now. Um, but but I'll, I'll have you talk, Reese. But you know what? Let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. No, let's not talk about Patrick Mahomes first. Let's talk about what our biggest holes were and, and like we still were able to overcome it. So I'll, I'll talk first. Just like I said, Joshua Williams was exposed twice. There was a touchdown to Gabe Davis and a touchdown to Stefan Diggs. Both were guarded by Joshua Williams. So look exactly what we thought was going to happen and I'm surprised Josh Allen didn't target Joshua Williams more like Tom Brady would have like Aaron Rodgers would have like Ryan even Ryan Tannehill would have known better and just target Joshua Joshua Williams every single play so look he was targeted and it was still a one possession game I'm fine with it hopefully we have Trent McDuffie back at least for the playoffs and full health we'll see you then Josh Allen and we'll see if you can throw on an island that time you know, that's a really good point. Uh, one thing I was going to drop in the group chat this morning, you might remember, but I decided not to because I thought it was too long-winded. If Do you, it. It, it. The similarities between this year's regular season game and last year's regular season game are actually pretty striking. If you look back at last year's regular season game, how did they blow that one open and put it out of reach? They picked on Dan Sorensen, who was consistently left in one-on-one coverage against Dawson Knox, and he's, he got blown up. I think it was, there's at least two touchdowns where, I mean, like, Sorensen was nowhere nearby him, and, like, that's that cost us the game. What did we yeah. do What did we do to rectify that? We didn't put Dan Sorensen in the game, let alone one-on-one coverage, come the playoff game, completely different outcome. What happened this go-around? Joshua Williams, our fourth-round rookie cornerback out of Fayetteville State, Oh was boy. guarding a top Who's, ten. Who did, who, who did he see <laughs> at Fayetteville I, State? I honestly couldn't tell. I'd have to do a deep dive to see who the best team he played, let alone best receiver. But in case of point, our fourth-round rookie cornerback out of Fayetteville State, who was forced to step in and guard a top-ten wide receiver and probably, honestly, a blossoming top-15 to 20 wide receiver in the league in Gabe Davis, uh, he was put on an island. 
he got picked on twice for two big touchdowns that wound up being the deciding factor in this game. So going forward, what are we going to do in the playoff game? We're not going to put Joshua Williams on an island one-on-one, and we're going to have a first-round cornerback out of Washington coming in, as well as our first-string cornerback, too, being healthy for that game. So I'm like, if we can keep up our end on the defensive line and have the return to Willie Gay Jr. and have our actual, like, halfway functioning secondary as opposed to, like, the C-team secondary... Yeah, I, I see reason to be optimistic. It doesn't matter if the game's played in Buffalo or Kansas City. I see reason to be optimistic come the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if you if you think about it, how, how many times was Sneed's uh, side of the field targeted? I'm, I would venture to say not very much, and when it was targeted, there were no blown-up plays. So in theory... In the playoffs, knock on wood, everyone's healthy. We have Snead on one side where the Bills have already shown that they aren't going to target that side. And then we have McDuffie on the other side who we've already seen in one game and the Cardinals not even trying to go to him. In fact, they were deferring to Snead's side of the field during that during that game and they had no film on Trent McDuffie at that point. So you know that Trent McDuffie's scary if, if an NFL team is already prepping not to go to your side based on your college film at Washington so look give me Trent McDuffie on one side give me Snead on the other side give me man I'm burping a lot let's keep that one and that's fine give me give me Thornton and give me Justin Reed helping out on either side in the zone or in cover two and you know what I think we have ourselves a chance because this game should have been a blowout. Hot take Mondo, the Bills should have smoked us. We should have been smoked yesterday. Joshua, Joshua Allen, I don't even know if he goes by Joshua. Joshua Allen should have had 200 rushing yards. Devin Singletary should have had 300 rushing yards. Gabe Davis should have had five touchdowns. Stefan Diggs should have had seven touchdowns. Yes, is that hyperbole? Sure. But those of you that know sports no Kansas City Chiefs football Tom Brady could have called Josh Allen and said dude just throw it to Josh's side dude just throw it to Jalen's side why are you carrying the ball 17 times with Devin Singletary and again this is the same MO as the Raiders you had Josh Joshua Jacobs steamroll us with only one touchdown you had Devin Singletary steamroll us zero touchdowns if you can't get it done at the goal line I don't care that you're beating our our front four with with the rushing yards, right? I don't care Devin Singletary has 85 yards if it's not going to result in a touchdown. We stopped Josh Allen. I forgot how many fourth and ones, fourth and goals we stopped was is twice. Okay, great. We stopped him twice. We stopped him once at the goal line. Things like that should not happen for the Buffalo Bills, who are supposedly the best team in the NFL. Did they look good? Absolutely. Is Josh Allen probably going to win... MVP, most likely. But am I scared after this game, Reese? What is my panic meter going into a playoff game in Buffalo? Two. A, a, a two on the panic meter. Let's go. I kind of. We'll see ya. I mean, I kind of agree with you. It's like, let, let me just like get this in the clear first as last. No, I'm not saying that like I wouldn't rather have it at Arrowhead than Buffalo. It's like, obviously, you know, that's not the case. But I'm kind of with you. It's bigger for the Bills, man. It's bigger for the Bills than it is for us. I said this in the podcast last week, and I stand by it after this week. It's like I felt a lot more nervous getting our tails whipped by the Bills in the regular season last year than I did this year. 
Last year, I'm just straight up like, oh, maybe we're not good, and like the Bills really are that much better. Yeah, you know, yeah, but, definitely threw our hands up after that game. But this year, it's like all things considered, the fact that they came down to a final drive, and Pat had to throw an INT to ice that game. It's like that that very easily could have gone the other way. And you look at the you know you look at the stats for the game going up and down here. It's like total yards were within the same same thing. Passing yards, we had one more passing yard than they did. Exact same yards per play. Almost the exact same first downs, exact same third down efficiency, uh, very similar penalties. Uh, yeah, <laughs> similar amount of turnovers, one versus two. It's like, honestly, this game really was kind of a coin flip, you know, and if a, a few things go one way, which obviously they didn't, you know, we could have walked away with a victory there, which I feel good about because honest to goodness, could the Bills have done some things better? It's like, yeah, I, I, I think Bills fans would definitely say they have some things to improve on, but... By and large, as a Chiefs fan, like I felt like that was the Bills' A game. Not their A-plus game, but their A game. I think this was probably the Chiefs' like B-plus game, given what we were missing on the secondary and given the fact that uh, Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley continue to return styles. So you know, I, I think we have more <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that right come, now. Uh, come a rematch than the Bills do, so I think that's reason for optimism. Yeah, look, I'm I'm sure that Bills fans would argue and say, well, we also have room for improvement. We are, we're going to have some of these guys back. Although I don't think um, Trivarius White or Tradarius White is coming back this year. I think he's out for the entire season. All to say, and this is an argument that we had from our friends on the fantasy chat as well, is, oh, you guys have some faults on defense? Well, so do the Bills. They have all these injuries. Look, we've seen the Bills as a unit without those players, and they are still the number one defense in the NFL. It's not like Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson are rolling on all cylinders. Yes, Jalen Watson had a career-changing interception against the Chargers. Other than that, he's been maybe like a a C-minus at best in the secondary. So you can't make that same argument because the Bills figured it out with those injuries. They have players to plug in, and things are going really well. Career, uh, career, yeah, I think that's how you say his name. Career Elam. I don't know how to say his first name. Kair. Yeah, keep that in too. That's fine. Well, I'll, I'll edit this. Not I'll Trent keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that was one of the arguments that I made actually last year. As I said, if we got Jermaine Johnson, we could have got Elam at, at the end and at the end of the first round. And I was like, eh, could have been good, but oh well, this is fine too. Uh, especially if McDuffie comes back and proves it. Man, man, I, I'm going to be cold snack take back. I will, I will chug a 24 pack of of Montucky cold snack if we win the Super Bowl because of a Trent McDuffie like iced, you know, ice in the game. Yeah, yeah totally, totally, totally. <laughs> um, anyway, I forgot what I was saying, but all to say that the Bills D is still number one with their injuries and our defense is very suspect without without our main guys, right? And particularly Willie Gay, who would have been phenomenal in this game. Mm-hmm. And of course, Trent McDuffie. All to say, though, against the Bills number one and with OBJ being awful and with Andrew Wiley being awful, Juju Smith-Schuster still has 113 yards. Travis Kelsey still has 108 yards. You know, like, like, oh, yeah. like we were still, uh, there are plenty of things we're going to talk about right now that need to be improved on the offense but for the most part like they also shouldn't have been doing that well right Mm -hmm. they should have been able to shut down our guys and they really didn't like like Patrick other than the huge blunders massive blunders that he made he still was cool 
Com Collective still saw things in the middle of the field that were being exposed. Of course, they play well in man, but when you have to play zone against the Kansas City Chiefs, then Patrick Mahomes will find the grass. I'm telling you, when he rolls out, it's a grass game. You like That's the only thing he's thinking about. Where are the holes? Where's the grass? And Juju's starting to figure it out, man. Of course, he's not Tyreek Hill, but, but Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes after this game are applauding Juju for learning this system in such a short time. And Juju, actually, I was listening to his post-game interview. He's like, the one thing that I've learned in Kansas City is that a play is never over. When he was in Pittsburgh, a play is done when it's done. When you've run your route, that's it's done. In Kansas City, the play's just begun once you've run your route. Um, yeah. So he's starting to figure it out, and we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. Unfortunately, we have a lot to talk about on that offense, Reese. Before we do that, do you want to say anything more about the Bills offense or our defense? Oh. Because I know we can spend the entirety of the podcast on this offense. I want to talk about the Bills' defense versus last. Um, you know, last year I kind of said they were sort of a paper tiger defense. Yeah, they were ranked number one last year, but you know they were getting like thirty bombs dropped on them by like any team with a half decent offense, and they were just like eating up on little like bad teams. I will say this Bills' defense, even with the pieces they were missing, is notably better than the defense they had last year. So I, I mean, I want to make that clear. You know. I've I've clowned on that dude's name so many times I can't remember his actual yeah, name. Matt, no, it, his actual name is like, Matt Milano, and I will I will happily do a cold a cold snack take back of Matt Milano. Oreo Jones, yeah, uh, you know he did he, he did pretty well. <laughs> what who's Oreo Jones? A Milano's a cookie, isn't it? Oh, I see what you mean. I yeah. Guess. So uh, anyway, Keebler Calvin, uh, you know he played a great game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll ever take him seriously. No, he he made a couple a couple of good plays. Uh, yeah, I mean, that yeah, being said, great. you know we have a honestly we have a Matt Milano of our own who I think is just as good. And like if he would have been playing, you know how many of those how many of those plays would he have made? Uh, but you know I said at the beginning of the year it's like do you really think that Bills defense is an aging Von Miller away from like being that much better? And I have to admit, dude, Von Miller's got way more left in the tank than I think anybody thought. Like even two two sacks, two two tackles for a loss, and obviously two quarterback heads. Now, albeit like you said, this is a, a revenge game for the man. I mean, he's always wanted to sink his teeth into Patrick Mahomes as the utmost respect for oh, him. Oh and five, and yep. he finally did get a chance to do that. Uh, but by and large, you know, the Bills secondary played well. You know, I mean, would they play better with Micah Hyde? Eh, probably remains to be seen. But I don't think like that secondary gets much better. I think something that's very telling is. You know, okay, we're never going to let the Chiefs get into field goal range with 13 seconds again. Okay, you're not wrong, but we did it in 12 this time. We did it in 12 seconds, baby. So, I mean, <laughs> dude, I mean, that's got to be kind of living in their head a little bit. That is just like, holy crap. You know, it's like they can get into field goal range whenever they want. Uh, but, you know, this, this Bills D seems a little tighter. Uh, I think they're more akin to the Bills D they had earlier. In like the Josh Allen early tenure when Josh was still figuring it out and he looked pretty hopeless. Uh, remember those Bills defenses? Those, oh, yeah. Those were Trash. shutdown Ds. I don't think this is quite a shutdown D yet, but it has a lot more. Like it's it's talent chalked. You know, it's just like there's a good player at every position on that defense, which yep. you know, it's it's a really good defense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I just want to clear the air on that. <laughs> okay, really, really good defense. I totally agree. Unfortunately, Reese, 
it would have been great to have seen this great defense against a really great offensive line. Oh, and then we yeah. can really, really have the, the test. Because if we can score, well, I mean, 20 is not impressive. But if we can score 20 with Patrick Mahomes getting hit nine times, oh, yeah. Reese. He got hit nine times. Are you freaking kidding me? After we had just like revamped this offensive line. Let, let me read a couple stats for you and then we can get in on, on Wiley and OBJ. Um, Patrick Mahomes was pressured 20 times yesterday. Only two of them were put on Mahomes' shoulders, but neither were a sack. Wiley was credited with nine total pressures with three sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. OBJ ended up with seven total pressures. Uh with no sacks, but still seven. So what is that? Seven plus nine. That's 16 of his 20 pressures mm. were from OBJ or um, Wiley. Now, I will say just one good thing about OBJ is that OBJ in the first half did look okay with Von Miller. Von Miller actually had to change sides in the second half. That's why he was getting to Patrick a lot because it was Von Miller against Andrew Wiley. Um, so I know I've praised Wiley in the past and not OBJ. I'm going to flip it. OBJ did still did not play well, but I, I will say that he did do a good job on, on Von Miller for a little bit. And then he switched to their side and it didn't matter. But man, are they a liability? Are they a liability for us, Reese? What do you got to say? You know, for all my reasons why I have optimism going into a round two with these guys, uh, this is the one I don't have an answer for. And the Chiefs, I don't think will have an answer for this one. And that's the fact that we are completely turgid at both tackle positions. Uh, I believe I saw statistics saying that both uh, Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr. are bottom five in the NFL for pressures allowed. Uh, yep, that's. Yeah, I, I think they. I think they lead the league actually. Both of them. That is a serious cause for concern. I mean, an absolutely serious cause for concern. I, I've been saying it all year. You know, Patrick's been doing a lot of laundry, even if he hasn't been getting sacked, but he's been getting hit. And I mean, th- there's only so much you can scheme in to make up for having you know not NFL starting caliber tackles. We saw it back in 2019-2020 when Cam Irving had to start, you know, a bunch of the the games for Eric Fisher. Mitchell Schwartz was out for a long time, you know, and that did not look very good. So, I mean, that, that that's my biggest concern is that, you know, when Patrick has time, he can really do some crazy things with these new weapons we have, but I mean, when he doesn't have time for plays to develop, when we're running, this is an entirely different topic, CEH constantly, who is... <laughs> we, will, we will also get to CEH. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's one thing we don't have an answer for. And I think the Bills should take a lot of solace in that. And I think next game, I think they should, if we do get a play, I mean, I think, I think they should just double down and just send house. Just be like, pressure them every play. Well, that's... And, and that's, that's a tricky thing, though, because even when they send the house... Uh, Patrick Mahomes is pretty good against the blitz, kind of like Josh Allen. When we send the house, we it was great for a little while, and then Josh and then Josh Allen was like, "Oh wait, Stefan Diggs is on an island with Joshua Williams." Lol, TD. Oh wait, you're sending the house. Oh, that means Gabe Davis is one on one with Joshua Williams. Lol, TD. So. I think Patrick Mahomes can fight the blitz in that case. Um, The only silver lining that we have here is that it was a one possession game against the best defense in the NFL 
and with OBJ and Andrew Wiley playing some of their worst football. So that's the only solace that I can have. Of course, that doesn't excuse them, but like Patrick Mahomes knows if we go into the playoffs and Wiley and OBJ are on opposite sides of each other, Patrick Mahomes, the, the, the playbook will be scripted as such. It will be scripted so that he is going to get pressured 9 to 15 times in the playoffs. Um, so, of course, that doesn't make things any better, but at least Patrick knows that that's because like we're we're not going to get anybody in time like who who is on the market right now that that can replace obj or andrew wiley or someone coming off of injury i mean this is what we got this is it well we can we, we can keep mckinnon in pass pro and and, that, and that's about it but then when mckinnon is is on the field it doesn't matter that he's on there because people know that that it's not a running play anymore it's going to be a passing play if he's on there to pass pro well, and uh, I think that gives us a perfect segue into talking about our running game uh, or lack thereof <laughs> in this game. You know, I want to say this early on. <clears throat> I think uh, I, you know, this is a mini cold snack take back. I said last episode I didn't think the Bills would be able to impose their will in the running game the way the Raiders did because I think Josh Jacobs is built different. But uh, I think had they not abandoned the run. I think we would have been in much more trouble throughout the game because, dude, Singletary was looking like prime Jonathan Taylor Thomas last year on us. I mean, sure. they were running the ex- averaging averaging five five yards a rush. The exact same hand, sort hand, of play. hand, hand, hand. They were running the exact same kind of running plays and the schemes we saw last week against the Raiders. And I mean, Singletary finished 17 carries for 85 yards. Yeah, exactly. Five yards in average. And they sort of abandoned that in the second half. And I don't know why they did that because, I mean, it was working and extending drives. And I was saying, dude, this is this is super easy for me. You do first down running play for five yards. Second down, you can do a little out route for like three, four yards. Third down, just run it with Josh Allen. It's like we don't have an answer for that. But they decided to abandon it. Uh, sticking on the running game, though. Do you have anything you want to say about the Bills uh, running game before we talk about the Chiefs running game? No, I mean, look, I I, I kind of had this argument at the beginning of the of the podcast that you can run as much as you want, but if you're not going to score at the goal line as many times as you should, then it doesn't matter. Well, and they, and they didn't. You're just sh- you're just wasting time. And they they didn't shy away from running with Josh Allen. He had 12 carries this game, albeit we held him in check for 32 yards, which I think we've done a pretty decent job holding Josh Allen's average. legs in check. Uh, and I hate to say this, like I really don't mean to be remorse, but dude, I know he's a big boy. Josh Allen won't be able to keep taking those hits forever. He's got a slide, yep. But someone in the chat was like, it's okay, he's big. Not not when you're the quarterback, buddy. Not when you are the franchise guy. One hit can change your entire life. That hit that he took at his spine. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that was no joke. I mean, if I'm if I'm on the Bills staff or I'm in the front office, that's the first thing I'm addressing. I'm saying, Josh, you gotta slide, man. Oh, for sure. It's like, you know, one wrong hit against let's say like Willie Gay comes and trucks him or something like that. And you got a separated shoulder. It's like, yeah, a shoulder is a very important part for a quarterback uh, at least last i checked <laughs> um we're only we're, we're we're only fans talking about uh, football only fans talking about football that'd be a great nice. hey, what if we had a, what if we had fountain city only fans we're like it's just like hey for five bucks a month you can come on the show and talk football with us and we'll talk football 
And we just I'm lost fired. our whole Omaha contingent. I'm fired. Uh, anyway, someone, someone at in 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 Omaha just just turned off our podcast and said, "Well, well, that is not the Lord's work." What do you think about? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should have this be our um the. Uh, the uh whatever it's called the uh, 30 second tag on instagram absolutely okay so uh moving <laughs> moving from the ridiculous to the equally ridiculous the chiefs running game uh you know clyde edwards alaire i said it last week i'm gonna say it again i i don't know why we keep running these experiments with him he, he had nine carries for 33 yards uh and I'll be honest, there were a lot of times where we could have iced this game on the, probably those last two drives where I think it was the right play call with the wrong running back. They kept calling those uh, counter runs. They kept calling those end arounds. Uh, they kept calling those sweeps, uh, but they were dialing up CEH, who does not have the speed to turn the corner. He has never had the speed to turn the corner, and he never will have the speed to turn the corner. Uh, you know who does have the speed for those plays is Pacheco. Pacheco. I know... Uh, I know Chips Ahoy Charles, or whatever his name is, ran him down in that one route. There was that swing pass, and he had the angle, and he closed in on him. He got a, that, that was a, a beautiful tackle. I got it. I got to admit, it was a beautiful tackle. Uh, but if we're going to be running all these speed-based plays, if we're going to have two turnstiles at both of our tackles, we need to play Isaiah Pacheco. I don't know what they're so afraid of. Cold snack take back for me. I was defending Ceh last week. I feel like I do this every week, Reese. I am, I am the, I am the Clyde, Jackal and Hyde on this podcast. Clyde, Jackal and Hyde because I and that's what Clyde is to me. He's the Clyde, Jackal and Hyde. Some weeks I'm like, holy moly, this guy's the real deal. He can do it. And then other weeks it is just so abysmal. I mean, there are whole. We saw it again. There were holes that he could have gone through. On the left side, he goes right. We then have, this is a good uh, argument that I saw in one of the podcasts. We have our slowest running back taking snaps, going left and right, doing jet sweeps. Our slowest running back doing a jet sweep? I mean, come on. And then the one thing that he's supposed to be good at is supposed to be going between the tackles, like I said, and he can't even find the hole. So I'm sorry, Clyde, the Jackal, and Hyde, but you got to go, man. Or you just have to be second on the depth chart, and we have to see more snaps from Isaiah Pacheco. We have to, it has to be some sort of shift. Isaiah, two carries. Patrick Mahomes had more carries than Isaiah Pacheco last night. I mean, just unacceptable when we need. This is going to segue. I, I still want us to talk about this if we're going to. But this segues perfectly into the Patrick Mahomes flaw. If we can't get the running game going, that means Patrick Mahomes thinks he has to play hero ball. And we don't win when Patrick Mahomes plays hero ball. Yes, of course, we win like the comeback. You know, when, when we're down 14, he comes in. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes having to throw the defense knows he's going to throw they rush four. they successfully rush four. Patrick Mahomes is getting sacked and he thinks he has to play hero ball that is how we lose and it starts with the running game if we can't get the running game going in the playoffs it doesn't matter it nothing else matters if we can't get the running game going or even attempt to and we have a chance this is only week five Sorry, this is only week six. We have enough time to do the Isaiah Pacheco experiment and doing the two-headed monster with CEH. But 
when are we going to do it? I mean, come on. Next week, we play a very good defense in the 49ers. Not a good offense, but a pretty good defense. Let's try it there. Let's see if we can run it. Come on, man. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Clyde right now that's so frustrating for me is that he's like very much the sunk cost fallacy in that you think, you know, if you, if you just keep putting money into something, it'll eventually work. They keep thinking, like, if we eventually put reps into Clyde, it'll eventually work. You know, what's not working with Clyde is not him understanding how to play running back. It is physical limitations. He's not fast enough. He's not strong enough. As I've said in past pro, he's so small, they can, like, literally just, like, pick him up and, like, move him. Pacheco doesn't have those issues. The issues Pacheco has, Pacheco has the issues where it's like, let's give him more reps and see if he finds the holes and figures these things out. But, I mean... Every time he touches the ball, unless the play is absolutely blown up, every time he touches the ball, he finds an extra three-plus yards that aren't there. He can get hit on a two-yard run, but he's falling forward and leaping and making it a five-yard run. You don't. When Clyde gets hit, Clyde goes down. That's like the end of the discussion. He's not going to push that guy forward for that extra yard, making it you know third and one. No, he's, he's going to get trucked, and it's going to be third and three instead. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just beating my gums here, but I, I really do feel like if we just gave Pacheco the ball 12 plus times a game, let him be the feature back, let them have to like be honest and not just send guys back and let having a four man front come on us. You know, I have to stack the box, stop the run. That's the most successful Kansas City Chiefs we've seen. And I don't know at this point why they keep feeding Clyde Edwards Alaire. Free Isaiah Pacheco. Free my fridge of another Montucky cold snack and free Reese's fridge of a beer that he is about to review. When we come back, we're going to do a beer review. And then I want to talk about the Patrick Mahomes conundrum. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. That's right, it's This Week in Craft Beer. The segment where we talk about what's going on this week in craft beer and also review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. This week, I'm sorry to say, uh, we have not done a good job with Hunt for Red Oktoberfest. It just, uh, some stuff happened. We and like and you know morning pods just hit differently, man. I feel like we're just like we're up. I mean, this this pod is great because it's a loss and our energy's up. But uh, some of these morning pods have been pretty good. Yeah, the, honestly, the, the morning pods been pretty fire. Uh, so Oktoberfest unfortunately has closed, and in fact, it closed a couple weeks ago. But we just want to let you know the first one. Well, I actually recorded a extra bonus episode one for Humphrey Red Oktoberfest. But being a total jabroni rube who has not been doing this for the last two and a half years at all, forgot to put my pop filter on my microphone. So unless you like a bunch of oh pop fest, crap dude. stuff that sounds all poppy and terrible all the freaking time, <laughs> then you did not want to hear that bonus episode. I actually had to throw it away. I was very upset. Um, anyway. From sadness to gladness here. Well, actually, no, it's still sadness. From sadness to sadness to potential gladness for Juju. Uh, you may be uh, aware, I may have mentioned on this podcast, that my fantasy team this year is called Oops All W's. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, right now, I, I need a little bit of inspiration because I'm about to drop two straight <laughs> games to fall to 500. And as I mentioned before, my it's team okay, is I'm on lacking five. an offensive spark. Uh, I don't know where it's going to come from. Made a big trade last week, but uh, Justin Herbert only has 7.62 points this game. Mixon got me 14.8. That's what I'm looking for, Joe Mixon. 
Uh, but Dobbins. Only yeah, see, I told you he's league. consistent, man. He's always going to get you. He's always going to get you points. Yeah, but Mike Evans, uh, DK Metcalf. They don't know what's going on. This would have been a great team last year, minus Dobbins. This would have been a great team. Oh, last totally. Year. Uh, but I'm behind. Also, the time. don't 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 give up on Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans. He still has some good good stuff ahead of him. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, but anyway, so to give my oops all W's team a spark. I have uh, in my hands here a very special beer from Lion Bridge Brewing Company in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. It is called Crushberry Oops All Fruit, a kettle sour with blueberry, strawberry, and blackberry. Nice. You know I love me some some kettle sours. You know it's a fact. They're very. Crushable. I know you do. You love you do love the sours. This one's even called Crushberry, man. So it's Crushberry Crushable. Let's see if it's Crushberry. Armando, why pour this beer into a glass? Why don't you tell everybody how we review this? Sure. We review with different categories. I forget how many, so I'm just going to list them until I forget them. Uh, We have the categories as followed. Appearance, aroma, flavor, mouthfeel, aftertaste, and the ever-changing category, stonks, drinkability, quotient, and all of them are rated from 0 to 10. So Reese will let us know 0 is the worst, 10 is the best. And we got some decimals in between as well. So Reese just poured this into a can. and looks like he is getting the drippy, the drippiest of drips at the very end of that can. Let's look at that can. That can looks pretty cool, actually. So tell me, tell me again, where is this, where is this brewery from? Uh, Lion, Lion Bridge Brewing Company in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I don't know how in long. Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Crapids, not Cedar Falls. Yeah. Did you go to that? Did you go to Cedar Rapids to get it, or where'd you get it from? Uh, I received this from an inside source. Uh, uh, I will not tell you my inside source. Remain nameless. Remain nameless. Ooh, look at that chunky boy. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's very good looking. So if we're gonna Ooh. go with appearance right here, I'm just gonna say I got an inch head on this. Uh, very foamy, fairly uniform, and it's a very fine foam. I don't, I don't I'm talking about the head a bunch here, but it's it's retaining, which is what's really interesting. Uh, the appearance is, uh, it's kind of hard to get a beat on this light. Uh, it's kind of a dark magenta-ish color, which I can see some carbonation going on in that glass, but it's very opaque, man. I mean, like super opaque. Uh, mm-hmm. can you see that? Bare, yeah, I can't see anything through it at all, man. Yeah. But yeah, it looks good. It kind of looks like the, uh, the Costco, like berry smoothie. Yeah, I know it really does. Yeah, it looks like a berry smoothie, but not chunky, just like a, a smooth filtered berry smoothie. So yeah. I think it looks attractive. I want to drink this. Uh, that's a yeah, nine looks tasty. three. That's a nine three. Ooh, nine three on appearance. Look at that. That I mean, that does look really good though. Awesome. All right, so we got appearance. Let's let's see what that nose is gonna give you. What's the aroma huh. on that berry smoothie? <laughs> like it legit smells like Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like it. Like straight up. Like if someone's just like, hey, Reese. Off this Captain Crunch powder, and I'm like, oh, you got it. And I'm like, yeah, the only thing you can do in Cedar Rapids, yeah, dude. It's just like, oops, all sinus infection. Uh, no, this is <laughs> that smells delicious, dude. This is, I have to say, the nose on this uh, is right up there with the nose on that s'mores fresh batch uh, stout from Toppling G. Oh, wow, that smells freaking delicious. Uh, 10. Holy moly! Yeah, Reese, what what's gotten into you these days, man? Uh, I can tell you what's not gotten into me is this delicious <laughs> beer just yet. 
<laughs> but for only nine ninety nine, you can go on OnlyFans. Never mind. Uh, all right, flavors. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Save it, uh, save it for the, save it for the Patreon. I can't stop sniffing Out, this. For the Patreon outtakes, it's on, uh, I can, I can smell it from here, man. It looks, it looks and smells great. Let's see if it tastes great with flavor. By the way, Broncos, uh, Broncos charges went to overtime. Really? Yeah, 16, 16 all. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely kettle sour. It's not... Not too uh, overpowering. You get a nice essence of uh, the uh, crunchberry flavor in there. I don't think you can say crunchberry. Probably legally can't. Uh, whatever. But otherwise, you get a very tart, I mean, very tart berry sourness to it. Hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Really refreshing. Slightly more sour. If this was like a touch less sour, so I could like legit crush this beer, I think it'd be even better. But it's still very delicious, very unique, and not too overpowering. <coughs> Sorry, allergies kill me. Uh, so I'm gonna give flavor on this. That's a very solid uh, 8.6 on flavor. Ooh, still high remarks. 8.6 on flavor. How about mouthfeel, Reese? What does that taste like? It looks pretty thick from here. Is it also thick in the mouth or kind of light, kind of sour? What do we got? I would say it's a little bit heavier in the mouth than a standard kettle sour. Um, I don't know if they're going for like a Goza style on this or not, but I would say it has a similar consistency uh, of like weight to it. As like a standard hazy IPA, I'm not. I'm not talking like you know like a bigger one like juicy bits. You know, but I'm talking you know like hazy little thing. I'm talking Space Camper, uh, sure. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a little bit heavier than you would think, but it's also very smooth. A lot of sparkling carbonation that pairs with kind of the uh, the side of the tongue sourness on this. So I would say. Uh, Mouthfeel probably uh, 8.3. Woo! Coming in hot. Mm. Eights, nines, and tens. Let's see if you're still coming in hot with aftertaste, Reese. Any new flavors on the back end? Same. More sour, less sour, more sweet, less sweet. What do you got? All right. So it's funny. It's, it's almost like a three-prong thing. So the flavor flavor is Captain Crunch actual fruit puree. And then the aftertaste is Captain Crunch again, so it's kind of, it's kind of going. It's you know, it's it's uh, navigating the foop, waters. Foop, foop. Yeah, exactly. Foop, foop, foop. So it's uh, navigates <laughs> a bunch of different flavors. I'm gonna give aftertaste on this for not being a wreck because I've had a lot of these. Uh, I don't say gimmick, but uh, novelty. Ugh, it's so hard to say, but novelty gimmick kettle sours. You remember call them. That like the the aftertaste like falls off and it's like plumber's rubber and it's like oh right why? it's all fake yeah uh, so the fact that this doesn't do that this does not do that uh, we'll say it's uh, eight point four on aftertaste and if if I may interject purees really expensive as well I mean to like 
to like mass produce a sour at a brewery and like have really good puree and like homemade puree is very expensive. I remember Weldworks, we actually resourced our puree from like one vendor that only sold to us and Wiley Roots. And like Wiley Roots also rivaled like fruit, sour, fruit, slushy brewery in, in Colorado. But like if you get the really good stuff, yeah, it can be very expensive. So getting good puree and like it counts. It really does make a difference in the flavor. So just want to interject that. Yeah, I totally agree. Last last but not least, we have Stonk's Drinkability Quotient. Reese, you had a lot of high grades. How does this beer make you feel? Is Stonk's up on this beer or Stonk's down on this beer? You know, I'm going to say Stonk's up on this beer. Definitely. Uh I, like I said, I don't know how long Lion Bridge has been doing their thing, but it's very easy for a newer, smaller craft brewery doing kind of like, again, gimmicky or novelty beers to just like totally whiff. And it's like, we only did this novelty because we knew everyone would be like, Captain Crunch, let's drink it. But it's an entirely different thing to do it and then do it well. And they did it really well with this beer. You know, this tastes like a very professional, well thought out beer that takes you on a nice fresh tasting journey i would definitely get this at a tap room if they had a tap room nearby i would put quite a few of them down probably because it's only a 5.2 percent and not that there's a be all end all but the public on untapped gave it a 4.2 which for a kettle sour which is and for untapped that's good that's pretty good dude the nerds at untapped are pretty hard to are pretty hard to impress myself included being one of the nerds on untapped so, for that reason, <laughs> dude, stonks are up on this beer. Blue chip stonks, blueberry stonks. We're going to give it a 9.1 stonks drinkability quotient. Ooh, Reese, Reese giving this beer high remarks today. I don't subjectively, for Reese, this may be one of your highest rating sours. Does this touch the summit at all? We, we won't talk uh, Mount Rushmore, but... So on the summit of Mount Rushmore, at least, on the foothills? You know, it's an Iowa beer, so I'm going to give this an Iowa comparison. Uh, it's not going to make it on Mount Crushmore, but it could be one of the best of its generation. Reason being, I have had some other kettle sours from, like, Toplin Goliath and some other places that, as much as I do like this, like, those beers are, like, stratospheric. Right. Yeah, I would gotta like, respect the gods. This beer is like, do you remember Chad Greenway? He was a linebacker for the Vikings for like 10 or 15 years or something. Can't say I do. And even if I did, I wouldn't I wouldn't give Sam Esquire Jr. the the pleasure. Well, here's the thing. He was a franchise linebacker for them for like a long time. And Chad Greenway was always a very good player. And he was a stalwart, but like Kind of like Donovan McNabb, when it's like time for people asking, all right, he retired. Is he a Hall of Famer? Everyone's suddenly like, a Vikings Hall of Famer, maybe, but like, nah, he's not a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame dude. You know, just like Donovan McNabb. Oh, is he a Hall of Famer? He's very good. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't think I can mount Crush more of this beer just because, like, it's a very good beer. But I have had some, like, beers of this variety that have just, like, completely blown my mind. That cherry pie sour from uh, Weldworks being one of them, you know. Oh, totally. So, that is a solid beer. Yeah. So there there ain't no shame in having your number retired by a team and going into a team's Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> that's true. And ladies and gentlemen, we've been doing this. I don't know how many beer reviews we've done. A hundred and almost probably budding 150 right now. Probably more like 130. So look, we've reviewed a lot of beers and a lot of excellent beers. So just because they're not on Rushmore doesn't mean that they're great beers. Still on, you know top great great beers right rushmore's only four or five beers um so excellent thank you reese for shouting out our friends in iowa because we boy do we love the midwest but we love nebraska even more and to <laughs> and to, to end the podcast stay tuned because we're gonna we're gonna read the decorate <laughs> declaration of independence from the state of iowa to end the podcast stay tuned Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Reese did a great beer review, uh, a great kettle sour that he reviewed. And now I'm going to read the Declaration of Independence of Nebraska. <clears throat> Four score and five years ago. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. We love our Nebraska investors, but uh, if you give us a little more money, then maybe I'll read. I don't know. Whatever you want me to read. Anyway, uh, so let's, let's round out the podcast, Reese. I want to talk about... The biggest concern that I have after this game, like, yes, OBJ is a big concern. Yes, Andrew Wiley is a big concern, but we were still able to to contend with a very good Bills team that is a formulative league, a number one defense, number one offense, and we were still able, able to contend. So I'm not that's not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is us dying by the sword of hero ball patrick mahomes now we wouldn't be having this debate reese if one of those touchdowns would have gone through right we you and i even talked about it right before this podcast if if pat doesn't get that interception in the beginning it's seven three we stop them even when they went on fourth and goal which they would have gone for anyway at seven and three then we would have came back and it would have been 14 to three going into the half i mean Actually, maybe sorry, not into the half, but going to this middle of the second quarter, it would have been fourteen to three. And again, a, a Patrick Mahomes led team that is ahead is a very different team coming from behind or even close by. So, all to say, if Pat makes those throws that he did, we would be crowning him king, like I have in the past. I do it all the time. Unfortunately, that is the conundrum in Kansas City. He's either going to win you the game. Or he's going to lose you the game with those throws that he makes. And that is going to be the theme of the season if that doesn't get corrected. Because that's why we lost to the Bengals, Reese. Is Patrick Mahomes tried to play hero ball when the run game didn't work. Well, I bet you dollars to donuts. I don't even know what dollars to donuts means. Uh, but anyway, I bet you dollars to donuts. This exact scenario is going to happen again because it happens with good teams and it happens in the playoffs. So this is going to happen again. So does that mean that we are going to flip a coin again to see what Patrick Mahomes we get? Are we going to get the Patrick Mahomes that is able to dink, dunk, zigzag, zoom, zomp and make a completion? Or are we going to get the Patrick Mahomes that zip, zocks, duke, dinks, bleep, blah? and then throws in a double coverage which we saw twice we saw twice from Patrick Mahomes and again it's something that we can't really correct because that is a part of Patrick Mahomes that's his DNA 
that is the Patrick Mahomes that wins us games as well. So that is the biggest concern that I have because we need that Patrick Mahomes, but at the same time that but at the same times that is the Patrick Mahomes that is the Achilles heel of this offense. So if he corrects those mistakes and is still able to be that guy, but when he's pressured, if he's able to be just slightly smarter on those reads, then he's the greatest quarterback to ever live more so. But if it's the Patrick Holmes that we saw yesterday against a good defense again in the playoffs, I don't know what the answer is, Reese. Yeah, I, I think your panic meter on that's a little, a little far panicky in my opinion. And I think, and I will say that it's really panicky because this was prototypical Patrick Mahomes and during the Bengals loss. And that's what hurts even more. You know, it's funny. I, I actually didn't pick up that this felt like the Bengals loss personally, at least like I didn't grab that. Uh, I mean, cause, cause when you look at it, that first interception he threw, Honestly, that was that was a very similar pass in a very similar place to that one he threw to CEH against the Bucks a couple weeks ago, and that one worked. You know, more right. often than, more often than not, these Patrick Mahomes it like works. crazy plays work. So you live by the sword, you gotta die by the sword. You know, it's it's okay. Um, I will say, I didn't think it was a terrible pass, and given the fact that uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling's got you know I think three or four inches on Kyrie Elam, it's like I, I really do think he should have come down with that. And that's been the most frustrating thing during Patrick Mahomes' tenure. Is just like, if that's Jody, Jody Fortson probably comes down with that. But it's like, nobody on this team can like go up and get a pass. And that's, right. it's mind-boggling to me how we don't have any jump ball receivers. Uh, the interception he threw at the end of the game. Yeah, I, I, I was watching this game with the Rad Rush and Alex Nikolinko. And I said, I'm like, we can lose this game. I'm like, just don't throw an INT forcing a stupid pass. And that's what he did. Uh, but... You know, like I said, you live by Mahomes, you die by Mahomes. I'm not throwing the panic button on this just yet because, uh, I mean, I hate to bring up old wounds, but, I mean, we've complained about Eric Bieniemy enough. Patrick didn't start forcing things the way he has the last year or so until Eric Bieniemy became, like, the play-caller offensive coordinator. And how disjointed has this offense been just at random times, random times, with weird play calling and Patrick not happy and receivers not running the right route and all that stuff. And I think all those things are just starting to stack, And which is why I think it's time for fresh blood of the offensive coordinator position. You know, just kind of maybe, I don't know, reset the offense a little bit. You know, <laughs> Matt Nagy. Well, Matt, he was fine when Matt Nagy was there. I'm just saying. And... And when 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 they pan to the sideline, who is the only person Patrick Mahomes is talking to? Matt Nagy, always. And I know he's a court. I know he's a quarterbacks coach, but still, like on another team, you see the offensive coordinator during a defensive play talking to Patrick Mahomes. We never see Pat. We always see Pat with Matt Nagy on the sideline. Anyway, yeah, I'm just saying. I feel like we need to kind of like unplug the router and plug it back in again. I, I mean, if, if we do go with Matt Nagy, like you suggested, I mean, let's be honest here. It's like, oh, he sucked in Chicago. It's like, oh, yeah, because Hall of Fame coach Mike Tomlin is really turning around Mitch Trubisky's career right now. Dude, Mitch Trubisky blows. <laughs> yeah, no one done. was going to make Goodbye. that guy work. So, Although they just beat the Bucks, but that's Tom Brady's fault anyway. Yeah, they beat the Bucks scoring, like, what was it, like 15 points or something like that? So, yeah. nah, dude, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky is not good. So I think, I think Matt Nagy gets a bit of an unfair shake. But all that to say... I'm not hitting the panic button on Mahomes yet because, I mean, that same Mahomes that threw an interception at the end of the game also got us into field goal range with 12 seconds, 
also got us into field goal range and won a game against the Bills in 13 seconds and then scrap. Yeah, I R E L A X. Take some ayahuasca and relax. <laughs> you, I, you know, I will not have ayahuasca, even though I'm a Colorado resident. I will not do that. Okay, maybe. Okay, maybe I will meet you halfway because. I'm not saying that like we need to change the identity of Patrick Mahomes because you're right. Like we need this type of Patrick Mahomes, like you said, it worked against the Bucks. But in the playoffs, like I said last week as well, or maybe it was the week before, playoffs are won by whoever makes the least amount of mistakes. And if the reason why we lose a playoff game and big games is because of that specific mistake, then I get concerned, right? Like, like we lost this game because of two mistakes, essentially. Yes, there was a bunch of mistakes, but I think the two pivotal mistakes were Patrick Mahomes. I think if he w- wouldn't have made those throws, again, the last interception was on first down. Like, if you're going down, man, like, we have three plays. I know there's only 55 seconds left, but, like, just stuff like that. And, of course... Of course, if like Patrick Mahomes were listening to this podcast, he would be laughing and he'd say, of course, I know these things like, duh, like I'm I'm not I'm going to try to not do that again. They're just it just uh, hikes my concern. I'm not going to say I'm on a seven or eight or ten panic meter, even with my fake ayahuasca that I'm putting in my mouth right now. Fine. I'm at a I'm at a four and a half. I'm at a four and a half panic meter. I just I'm just saying that in the playoffs, playoff games are won by the smallest of margins and if our if the reason why we lose are consistently the same then i'd and we just gotta look at it man like first and 10 throw it throw it off to the side well i think it's also being unfair to pat to be like pat you have to be near perfect i mean i'm not saying you're being unfair to. i'm saying like the team it's like sure i, th- I think it's unfair to pat that like every game is like pat you need to be perfect and you need to make miracles happen and come back and have game winning drives because our defense can't get a single stop. <laughs> and and all the times that these mistakes have happened for Patrick Mahomes were because of Andrew Wiley and OBJ. Dude, I, I mean, I'm gonna drop a hot take right here. If if Patrick ever had a defense as good as the Bills defenses this year, they go sixteen and zero. Like I'm dead serious. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, and I know it sounds, I know it sounds homers, but like I'm dead serious. Like what we see with Patrick Mahomes right now, even the year they won the Super Bowl, it's like I think that was like a, a top 17 defense or something like that. This has been a problem since Steve Spagnuolo's taken over. Uh, two big things. One, as we've pointed out, he likes to blitz, which is fine, but he consistently leaves what I consider NFL average to below average corners one-on-one on islands with like top receivers and they get torched they throw jump balls we never come down with them it's always a jamar chase coming down it's always a mike evans it's always uh i almost said gilbert godfried what's his name Devonte adams you know so <laughs> look at look, look at you with your uh made up names alliteration today sorry <laughs> no it's alliteration you're made of names <laughs> so so that's one problem on the defense the other problem on the defense is that spag scheme is predicated either on the defensive line getting home and getting sacks or the secondary creating turnovers right now in the last year we have not created turnovers in the secondary and our defensive line while generating pressure cannot get home so when we have these fourth round seventh round cornerbacks hanging out back there it's like that makes it even more imperative that they know what they're doing because if the defense can't get home to the cornerback or on the quarterback on a blitz that way that makes the secondary's job 
that much harder because oftentimes they're stuck on an island. How many times have we seen in the last season and a half, two seasons, where it's just like defense, if you get a stop right here and the offense, just like you give the ball back to the offense, like this game's over, but it's like, no, we're going to let Josh Allen go down the field and put a touchdown on the board with like five and a half minutes. It's like, just just don't. Don't let him score that touchdown. <laughs> same, same with the Raiders game. It's like, all right, we got this game in the bag so long as you don't allow a giant pass to Devontae Adams late. Oh, just kidding. We're going to allow a giant pass to Devontae Adams late. It's like, gosh, dang, guys. Are you serious? Yep, the Bucks, same thing. I, I mean, I, I don't the trust. Chargers, this, same thing. I, I don't trust this defense to get a stop. I really don't at any point. I mean, like, I need the offense to make a mistake. I need Hunter Renfro to run into Devontae Adams. I need Dak Prescott to throw a game-sealing, you know, stupid pass. It's like, I don't trust that one of our secondary guys is going to jump a route. I don't trust that Chris Jones or Frank Clark, heaven forbid, is going to get home and sack someone with no timeouts left. Yeah, something that no one's talking about that I brought up on the podcast or on, um, on the fantasy chat, and then we'll go into season prediction, um, was... Was Frank Clark like throwing his arms up against the refs and like Josh oh. Allen still like the play was still oh. going on I was and he could have just I mean he could have just gotten up looked at Pat and like I looked at Josh Allen and sacked him I mean the fact that he was complaining during the play when Josh was right by him and just bone just boneheaded man look I uh to uh to not counter what you were saying but I think It'll be interesting to see McDuffie on one side, Snead on the other, and seeing if that changes our front four and how they create pressure and some of the blitz packages that that bags. Because maybe, because maybe they are going to be an island, and maybe we're going to see something different. Because there's only been one interception this year, and it was Jalen Watson against the Chargers, which was great. But I mean, that's the only thing that we've done this year. We have we got to do more. Uh, speaking about doing more, so I think this was this was the biggest stretch for the Kansas City Chiefs because the rest of the schedule looks pretty good so i think now we can rest we i mean look every game is tough i'm sure we're gonna lose again but at least now i think health is the main concern going forward and trying some schemes that might work like we said the two-headed monster um see if we can try to get pacheco in the running game um so here we have the rest of this the season recess just do a quick wins and loss i'm sure we're going to agree on most of these uh, so right now we are four and two mm-hmm. next week we got the 49ers win or loss um oh goodness i'm gonna say no look at you thinking about this one well i have to stand by this i said earlier in the year if they start trey lance we win if they start jimmy garoppolo i don't like our chances i think this is gonna be like the colts game 2.0 i think we're gonna lose this one and fall to four and three wow uh, I we should not lose this one. I, I get I get what you're saying. I think that Shanahan will scheme, and he's an amazing coach. And the, this is not like the Colts. They actually have good weapons. I mean, they're utilizing Jeff Wilson very well. Kittle actually had a pretty good game. Um, Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel, and they're also using Brandon Ayuk. So it's like it's really not a bad offense. Um, and their and their defense has, has always been pretty good. I still think that we win this one, especially holding the Bills to 24 points and being in one possession against the best team in the NFL like I I don't I don't see how we can lose but sure sure this can this can go any way I can see that so let's disagree on this one let's go forward though next the next week after that uh we have a bye week which would be great Mm -hmm. it'd be great for us to have the bye week um rest up and then we got the Titans to start November what do you got wins or win or loss let's say coming off the bye week I think we're gonna beat the Titans I'm just gonna count as a W 
Yeah, Titans don't look very good. I think it's an easy win. Jags the week ne- the next week. I think we beat the Jaguars as well. I think Doug uh, Andy Reid does a good job against his former students. Uh, Doug Peterson being the the case in this one, so I think we win. Yeah, I actually think this one's going to be close. I just I still think that we win, but I think the Jags are really proving themselves this year, and I think they're they're going to want to have like we're here and we're we're relevant game and i think that could be it but uh win against the jags then we see the chargers chargers before thanksgiving uh i think we lose the chargers game i'm gonna stand by this one uh i said we'd split with the chargers we got the first one i think we lose the second one although herbert has not been looking good and they eked out a win at home against denver tonight so i still think we lose yeah i actually agree with you here i thought justin again like people don't realize or maybe they do and they don't want to acknowledge it whenever we play someone from the afc west it doesn't matter how bad they are or bad they look this is a divisional game and it's always going to be tough so i think the i i I mean chargers chargers are not going to take one lying down like i'm sure this is going to be another barn burner um i also have the the chargers winning this one next game we have uh, on thanksgiving or the day after i can't tell when thanksgiving is uh the la rams who do you got in la too the the hottest stadium in in the world uh, i got us winning that one i don't think the rams are as good as we all thought at the beginning of the year they look pretty bad in fact so i'm just, I'm just gonna say us over the rams rams in shambles i agree we win revenge game december 4th against the Bengals. who do you got i got the Bengals in this one really i i think the Bengals have some weird juju about them and that like you know, it's, it's sort of like us to a degree that like they don't start playing until the other team goes up like two touchdowns because they came back and beat the Saints. I'll be the Saints are pretty stanky. Uh, but I, I think at home, I think it's good defense. I, I think at this point it could be a very do or die game for the Bengals, you know, depending uh, on their playoff positioning. So I think I think they're going to have some sort of uh, weird who day skyline magic and beat us. Fool's gold. They had a great season last year, the darling of the NFL, but we have exposed them. This is going to be a revenge game for Patrick Mahomes. I think they're downplaying it. We haven't heard a lot about this game, but I I know this Kansas City Chiefs team is just going to try to demolish the Cincinnati Bengals and just come after Joe Burrow and finally put a nail in that coffin. So I think that's a win, but that's okay. We'll split that one. Denver Broncos. Uh, Next game. I'm going to take this one back. I think we're going to beat the Denver Broncos. Uh, They did not look good tonight against the Chargers, even though the Chargers did not look good against the Broncos. Uh, But I think I initially said that they would split with the Broncos. I don't think it's going to be the case. I think we'll sweep the Broncos this year. Yeah, I think the Broncos are going to tank for Wemben Yamba next year. So I think they're going to lose this one and try to tank towards the end of the season. Uh, lol, just kidding about Wemben Yamba. Uh, next game, Texans. Pretty easy. Yeah, we should win that one. Seahawks, not as easy, but still the Seahawks next. We should win that one. I don't think Geno Smith's going to take us to the cleaners. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it could be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, we should we should win that one pretty handedly. Broncos, the next one after that. Both of us said that we would sweep the Broncos. Raiders to end the season on January eighth. Uh, I think we'd be the Raiders again. 
to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have the formula. I think the Raiders got lucky to be pretty close with us at the end of that game. I know they're going to try to take deep shots down the field like they always do with Derek Carr, but I think we have a formula against them now. And hopefully Trent McDuffie is uh, healthy. And of course, that's at the end of the season. So we're going to be in playoff mode. I think we should win that one pretty handedly. So to recap, Reese, I had you saying we lose against the 49ers and one against the Chargers, maybe against the Bengals. So yep. only three games. Only we lose three games, right? So I can't do math right now, but that's five losses on the season. I say only four losses on the season. The Chiefs are in good shape, and I'm going to reiterate what we just said. Health is of most importance now going forward because, I mean, what we just had, the Chargers, Bucks, a tough game against the Raiders and the Bills, like that was playoff mode. Now we can chill a little bit, really take care of ourselves and get ready for a Bills Chiefs rematch in the AFC Championship in Buffalo. I'm calling it now. We're ready for you. We're ready to see you. 24 to 20, and our starters weren't even playing. Come on, man. Let's go, Chiefs. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Have a nice weekend. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.